Welcome to episode 10 of Thief's Monthly Movie Loot. Yes, we got to 10 episodes. Yay! I hope everybody's doing great. My name is Carlo, and although we're not on full lockdown anymore here, we're still playing it safe and taking no risks. I hope all of you are taking the same precautions, staying home as most as you can, and avoiding unnecessary contact. But anyway, let's talk movies. April is gone, and first, I apologize for the delay in putting out this episode. I had been meaning to record for the last couple of days, but wasn't able to do so. But I'm finally here to share my thoughts on the films I've seen during the last week of April in order to complete my monthly movie challenge. Also, I will give a bit of a summary of everything I saw during the month and share the categories for the challenge for the month of May. So let's kick it off. A film based on a poem. April was National Poetry Month, so I wanted to see something based on a poem. Somehow I stumbled upon a Swedish film called Aniara, which is based on a Swedish sci-fi poem of the same name, and wow! Set in a dystopian future where Earth has become inhabitable, the film follows the titular ship which is transporting people to Mars. When space debris stirs the ship, of course, the passengers and crew have to adjust to the new reality of possibly living their lives adrift in space. This film was a huge, huge surprise in almost every aspect. Not only is the film well acted and crafted, but the script handles its themes of isolation, existentialism and depression in an admirable way. The focus of the story is on an unnamed character referred to as MR or the Mima Rope, which is her position. She's played by Emily Johnson, a worker at some sort of relaxing spa where passengers can enjoy visions of a better past. But although her story and performance are pretty good, what really left a mark with me was the eerily haunting atmosphere of the film, which only gets bleaker and bleaker towards the last act. There are some notable time jumps, which might make you scratch your head at times, and some subplots are brushed over, but overall this was an impressive film, and one that has stuck with me something fierce. Strongly, strongly recommended. A film with the number 4 in its title. First of all, thanks again to my online friend Takoma, who always comes up with great and interesting recommendations like this one, Marlina the Murderer in Four Acts. It is an Indonesian film, and it follows the titular character played by Marsha Timothy, a grieving widow that takes action in her own hands when a group of men steal her livestock and rape her. Overall, I thought the film was pretty good, with some neat craft from director Molly Surya. She does a fine job of directing, with some nice framing and the use of long takes and wide shots. She is the kind of director that lets the camera linger for a bit on some scenes. Uh, the performances are also pretty good, with Timothy conveying the impotence of her character in the face of her situation. If I were to complain about something, it would be the slow pace, which is a bit of a killer. I felt it kinda dragged at times. That is probably a result of the director's choices of using wide shots, long takes, and a lot of silence. But the way it is split in four acts helps contain the events and smooth the way everything unfolds. Overall, a pretty good film. A film with the word tree in its title. I had this category because of Arbor Day, which was April 24, and for it I saw Elia Kazan's debut, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. I had this one on my plate for a while, so I'm glad I finally saw it. 
Set in the beginning of the 20th century, the film follows the Nolan family as they deal with different issues, from financial struggles to marriage troubles, conflicts with close relatives, or the growth of the children. The daughter of the family, Francie, played by Peggy Ann Garner, is at the middle of most of the issues as she finds herself torn between the strict and stoic upbringing of her mother, played by Dorothy McGuire, and the more charming yet aloof nature of her father, played by James Dunn. I don't think the film is perfect, but as far as directorial debuts go, this is a very good one. As for the story, I wasn't as captivated by it as I would have wanted. Most of the performances are pretty good, but I didn't connect as much as I would have liked with the characters. Also, I would have liked if they played off Francis' father alcoholism a bit more, considering how important that aspect is to the plot. I understand that it's probably a sign of the times, how tame it is, but I felt they could have made it a bit more impactful. Finally, there's a character that takes prominence towards the second act that feels very much tacked on just to fill some expected narrative. Still, I enjoyed it for the most part. A film from Ireland. This category was in honor of Ireland's Independence Day, which was April 24. I saw The Siege of Jadotville, which is on Netflix. The film was brought to my attention by a few people on Twitter. It is based in real events, and it follows a group of inexperienced Irish soldiers led by Commandant Pat Quinlan, played by Jamie Dornan, sent on a peacekeeping mission to the Congo in 1961, and how they got caught up in a fight with French mercenaries and local forces. This is far from a complex film, although it does try to present the different sides involved in the conflict. For the most part, it avoids big political statements. Instead, it focuses on the action and the attempts to survive from the small group of soldiers against a much bigger enemy. In that aspect, director Richie Smith does a great job of handling the tension and the action set pieces. As far as that goes, the film is as thrilling and nerve-wracking as you can expect. Some sequences might make you go, yeah, right, but the fact that here comes a spoiler, so if you want to listen, skip ahead a few seconds. Uh, the fact that, according to the story, no Irish soldier died in the end makes it all the more impressive. Despite some cringe in those in lines and moments, Dornan is competent as the lead. There are also some solid performances from Mark Strong and Swedish actor Mikael Persbrandt, but the real star here is the direction. If you're looking for a war film with lots of action, then this is very much a viable option. A film about the environment or related themes. At this category because of Earth Day, and I chose 2019's Dark Waters. Finished with this one a couple of days ago, it was also recommended by a few people on Twitter, and also based in real events. The film follows Robert Bilot, played by Mark Ruffalo, a corporate lawyer that switches sides to fight against chemical behemoth DuPont after it is revealed that they might be dumping toxic waste in the waters of West Virginia. To be honest, the story doesn't bring anything new to the table that we haven't seen before in most David vs. Goliath films. We have the reluctant attorney with the struggling, abandoned family, the anxious law firm boss that is not so sure if they should continue with the case, and the egocentrical CEO that doesn't want to look his victims right in the eye. However, the film is elevated by the cast and crew involved. Ruffalo is pretty good, while Tim Robbins and Victor Garber have solid supporting roles as Bilot's boss and DuPont's attorney, respectively. If anything, the film lacks a proper climax, there is no big trial with a stunning closing statement, and for the most part, the film takes a documentary-like approach as years pass and events just happen. That doesn't make it a bad film, but I do think the film lacks a certain oomph to it. Regardless of that, I found it very enjoyable.
a freebie. I had a freebie. As I was looking for films from Ireland, I found a list that included a film titled Bad Day for the Cut. Unfortunately, after I started it, I realized this one is from Northern Ireland, but I finished it. Anyway, I had no intentions to offend my Irish friends, which is why I went on and looked for another Irish film later. So this one counts as a freebie. Anyway, Bad Day for the Cut follows Donald, played by Nigel O'Neill, a meek middle-aged farmer that still lives with his mom. When she ends up murdered, he sets to find out those responsible for it. Like Siege of Jadotville, the other Irish film I saw, this is not a very complex film. Overall, it follows the typical template of other revenge thrillers. However, there is a certain poignancy in O'Neill's performance that sets it apart a bit. The direction from Chris Brock is also very good, with nice combination of dark humor, bursts of violence, and more introspective moments. There are some twists and turns, but none of them are particularly mind-blowing. Still, the film ended up being a neat, tight little package. So that's it for April. Like I said on the previous two episodes, I had one of the best tricks I've had recently as far as good or great films go. I was impressed by several of the films I saw during the month, from classics like The Invisible Man or The Graduate, to modern popular films like Parasite or Hell or High Water, or more obscure foreign titles like Aniara. If I were to choose a favorite first-time watch for the month, it would probably be between Hell or High Water, The Graduate, or Aniara. As far as the weakest first-time watch, Step Brothers was easily the weakest film I saw. So now that May started, these are the new categories I have set for the month. A film with the number 5 in its title, any film that starts with the letters I or J, a film from the 1001 movies you must see before you die list whose ranking includes the number 5, a film from the 1940s, a fantasy film, a film about mothers, a film about Muslims or Islam, that's because of Ramadan, which ends somewhere uh, in this month. Uh, a film set in space, that's because of Space Day, which is the first Friday of May. A film featuring the media prominently, that's because of World Press Day, which was on May 3. A film set in a country or place you'd like to visit, which is because of National Tourism Day. A film mostly set on a train, which is because of National Train Day. A film from Norway, who celebrates their constitution on May 17. A film from or with Clint Eastwood, who was born on May 31. And a film that won either the Palme d'Or or the Grand Prix at Cannes. As usual, if you know any film that may fall into any of those categories, let me know. Feel free to look me up on Twitter or Letterboxd and tell me your suggestions. Also, anything you might want to share about the films I've seen or the podcast itself, you can contact me via Twitter at DiefCGT, D-H-I-E-F-C-G-T, or on Letterboxd as Thief12. So that's all for episode 10 of Thief's Monthly Movie Loot. Remember, like, follow, and share the link. Have a great week, and remember, stay safe. Red, Red, where are you going? I'm going to Charleston, back where I belong. Please, please take me with you. No, I'm through with everything here. I want peace. I want to see if somewhere there isn't something left in life of charm and grace. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I only know that I love you. That's your misfortune. No. <laughs> Red, 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 you go, where shall I go, what shall I do?
Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. 